Live from Shirley, Wisconsin, this is Casting Nets. And if you were here for the pre-show, you probably would have heard that already. I'm one of your hosts, Pastor Will Harley, and I am joined here with the always magnanimous Pastor Dave Rudot. Dave, yeah. say hi. Hi. That's you know, all I'd I wanted be, to hear. I'd be frank, but then I'd have to change my name. <laughs> We, again, are playing with all sorts of technological wonders. If you want to join us um, at any time as we have been exploring through the book of Revelation, because that's what we're going to explore again today, we have been doing a live Facebook event, and so people can join with us online and follow with us uh, live through Facebook. Um, but there are other ways for people to reach out to us. They can always contact us through our email at castingnetspod at gmail.com. They can reach us through the Facebook page. They can always come and talk with us at our congregations. My congregation, St. John's in Maribel, Wisconsin. Your congregation, of course, here in Shirley, Wisconsin. And so we invite you to come and worship with us and talk with us about the show. Uh, probably a disclaimer, huh? Yeah, this is uh we're two pastors. We hold ourselves to the confessions, but we are having a conversation here and uh, we hold ourselves to the scriptures uh as the norm over those confessions, as a rule over those confessions. And but well, everything we say may not be uh a representative of our church body, especially when we have the dad jokes. You can't say well the wells means that, you know, that They like dad jokes. Yeah, they like dad jokes. They have a super awesome sense of humor there in the Wisconsin Evangelical really Wisconsin don't. and and uh, <laughs> so not everything we say is representative of our church body, but we hold ourselves to the, the Lutheran confessions and the Bible, and we are, this is meant to be the beginning of a conversation and not the end. And so if there is something that you want to talk about, something that we started to cover and didn't finish, or something you wanted more information about, please reach out to us, castingnetspot, gmail.com, Facebook. You can see us in person. Most of our feedback we get is from people talking to us in person saying, I listened to you on the podcast and had a question about this or that. So that's kind of a neat challenge for us to try to remember which podcast you're talking about and what subject it is. Uh, but it and is, who said it. And who said it. And, yeah, I did say it. Yeah, Will said it. Will said it. We'll talk to him. <laughs> um, anyway, and on the flip side, if you like what you are listening to, if it's on a podcasting platform and there's a way to review it, please do so. And give us a four star. Don't give us five stars because if you give us five stars, my head, which is huge, will just get will just explode. Your head's already huge. It'll be like that bunny in uh, Ralph wrecks the internet when they just keep feeding it pancakes and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and just you just. I don't know if they're watching live. Your head's pretty big. (laughs) It is pretty. (laughs) (laughs) He felt left out because we couldn't get the cameras lined up, and I was a little bit taller than he was, and he felt like he was below me. Yeah, and so he blew up his head and. Uh, yeah, I have to do what I, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to be on equal footing with Will Harley. Um, anyway, if you like what we have, if, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can also give us a review on YouTube. You can like and subscribe on YouTube. That would be really beneficial. And the only reason why is not that we need the likes or that we need that is that it also helps the uh, algorithms, the AI uh, out there um, that is 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 streaming information into your head and into your lives that it would also stream Christ into your lives and heads because we want this real life living faith podcast to be a part of, of your life and to be Christ to be a part of your life as well. So without further ado, let's get into the topic of the book of Revelation.
So last time we finished off with the vision of the seven seals. At the end of that section, there is silence for half an hour. Yeah, um, as the introduction of, um, um, of really you have uh, this introduction of the seventh seal, which introduces the seven trumpets, right? Um, <clears throat> and so there's there's silence in heaven, which no one ever talks about the silence in heaven. We always tell you know people people get it into their head that uh, heaven is all singing, right? Um, and and we're just going to sing all the time. But apparently, at least for a half hour, there's silence, um, and silence will reign. So silence is a good thing. Silence can be a a, a powerful tool. I, I have not been comfortable with it. <laughs> I love silence. <laughs> I'm an introvert, so I love silence. But some people may have some problems with it. Uh, silence is a is a, a remarker of an end of things. So this is the end of the the vision, and so God is going to rewind. It's kind of do the flashback all the way back uh, to the life of Christ, and then the life of the church as well. So it's a it's meant to be a breaker for us, not to really put too much weight into it, but just to give us a significance of now we're going to get into it into a new vision. So are we ready to read the new vision? Well, I mean, are we going to, so are we going to be starting at uh, chapter eight, verse one? Chapter eight, verse one, or do you want to back up? Is that No, I think we're good. I, I, there's some things uh, in that, that first section there before we get into the first uh, of the four uh, trumpets that, that I think we should probably want to focus on. Um, So, Let's jump on into it, then we'll focus on it. That way we won't confuse people and be like, what are they talking about before we've actually read? Yeah, got it. Okay, let's read chapter 8 of the book of Revelation. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and seven trumpets were given to them. Another angel, holding a gold censer, came and stood at the altar, He was given a large amount of incense to offer together with the prayers of all the saints on the gold altar that was in front of the throne. And the smoke of the incense went up from the hand of the angel before God, together with the prayers of the saints. The angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. Then there came crashes of thunder, rumbling flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. Keep going. Hold on. Or you want to stop? Yeah, I, I think we want to, <clears throat> I think we should probably talk about what's going on in heaven right now. And, and maybe before we get into the trumpets, because that's going to, that's going to open up a whole new can of discussion. And I don't, I don't think we want to pass too far away from, uh, especially a conversation about the focus on the altar and the focus on this, uh, on, on the censor, um, and, and the prayers of God's people. And, and then maybe also, maybe make a comment on on the coals that are being thrown from the altar. And and the reason I say that is is um in scripture the prayers of God's people coming up is always that idea of incense. In the Old Testament um before the 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 throne of God in in the temple um they would they would uh burn incense as signifying the prayers rising before the Lord. Um, and so you have that image coming back in the book of Revelation, right? You have the image of of God's people um, bringing their prayers before the Lord. And the thing that I ha- that I found very very interesting is <clears throat> the the same image of an angel taking a coal from the altar that we saw in Isaiah when Isaiah was called to share God's word, um, both good and bad. 
to God's people in the Old Testament is 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 being brought back into the book of Revelation where where now the the angel is taking a coal and casting it upon the earth. And and the reason I think I think this is a really important image is because we see the work of the of God's word, both law and gospel at play. Um, we see we see the prayers of God's people. What are the prayers of God's people? Lord, make this come to an end, right? Um, I mean, you're you're seeing that this is the image of tribulation that that God's people throughout time are are just being worn down. And so, what does the Lord do? The Lord casts His word out upon the earth, and and this casting of His word is more than just the gospel, which of course is there, and we're going to sure. see more of it in the trumpets. It's the law as well and the force that it brings um, as as God speaks upon his creation, um, his laws and his commands. Could it also be, I, in addition to that, could it also be God's judgment on the world as well? That's a Romans 1 type of thing where God gives them over to their sinful nature. Sure, um, but but that all comes back down to the law, right? right. This is God's word at, at work, um, and, and sometimes we get especially in the church, I think, sometimes we get very caught up because we want to share Christ. We, we, we want to focus on, you know, we always want to leave things with the gospel. Um, we, we want to let the gospel predominate, even though that was one of the, the, the core teachings of, of seminary. It's kind um, of a good idea. It is a good idea. But, but sometimes, and we see it in the book of Revelation, where, where um, his alien work of applying the law and the judgment that the law brings— is there too. And and we can't avoid that there are times in life when the law must must be spoken and the alien work of the law must be done and the gospel doesn't follow because because the 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 result that the law that we hoped the law would bring didn't come. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes, right. Romans 1. Right. Um and uh, what I also appreciate what you talked about when you frame the whole idea of the of the angel taking the prayers of God's people and then bringing it back down on judgment is just that picture of and you did it very well and I didn't do it very well there for like two seconds but of the idea it all starts with the coal all starts with the gospel being proclaimed in God's people's hearts which then leads them to uh, to, to share that message, which might also lead to difficulties, to problems, to looking around the world and saying, Lord, deliver me from all of this. And then that those prayers of God's people are, as the scriptures say, powerful and effective, that this actually is going to come and bring a result on this world that we are about to talk about the four trumpets. Uh, and before we get to the trumpet, let's talk about just the idea of the picture of a trumpet. Normally, when you and I think of a, a picture of a trumpet, we might think of something of what celebration. What is being meant by? What do you think is being meant by the picture of a trumpet? Well, I mean, if you want, I, I go back to the Old Testament, um, and <laughs> the only thing that sticks in my head, the, I think, the greatest um, are the horns blown as they march around Jericho. <laughs> um, you know, there's there, there's the image of of, and you will blow the horns, you will blow the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Um, this was not a. This was. This was less a a trumpet call of joy and 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 heralding in of <clears throat> of um, the Messiah and more of this was the the, the trumpet call of battle um, that this is this is the the advancing army is now here um, again I, I would I would refer back to 
judges uh, or not judges um uh going through Joshua and Josh, seeing yeah. and seeing uh Jericho and how it fell and and what did God's people do they did nothing they walked around and they they blew trumpets <laughs> and they they blew the horns and um <clears throat> and what did God do and I, I think that's the connection that I see mm-hmm. when I when I think of those but I also think you know um less metal and gold and more ram's horn <laughs> and and kind of big and billowing um, that, that I kind of see that that was a typical, uh, the ram's horn and the blowing of the ram's horn was a, a typical call mm-hmm. for worship in, uh, to gather around the temple. So good news, bad news, announcement, something, pay attention, pay attention. Yeah. This is about, this is some major thing that's about to happen. Let's keep reading verses, uh, six to 13. Here we go. The seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to sound them. The first sounded his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood were thrown on the earth. A third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Then the second angel sounded his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. A third of the sea became blood, and a third of the creatures that live on the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third angel sounded his trumpet, and a huge star, blazing like a lamp, fell from the sky. It fell on the third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star was Wormwood, and a third of the waters became Wormwood. Many of the people died from these waters because they had been made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded his trumpet, and the third of the sun was struck, as well as a third of the moon, a third of the stars, and a third of them became dark. And there was no light for a third of the day, and likewise for the night. Then I looked, and I heard a single eagle flying in the middle of the sky, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to those whose home is on the earth because of the remaining trumpet blasts of the three angels who are about to sound their trumpets. So you got some destruction coming on, right? A third. Let's talk about a third. What's What's the significance of a third? Well, I mean... If you want to talk about the, the groups of three, you could definitely refer to the um, the Godhood or the Godhead, right? You have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we have um, that image already coming to head that that there is there is power in three, right? Uh, three chord uh, is usually un- that was Proverbs, right? Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. Um, that three chords aren't easily broken. So you have this this idea, but I, I think you have a um, an idea of of a great quantity being seen in the third, um, not necessarily a, a totality, but you have a, an impact. Um, and so in, the, in this reference of, of the thirds, you're seeing that there is a huge impact on the created things. Um, a third of all that was created is, is, is in the purview of destruction. Um, and, and I find interesting, you don't have a delineation as to like good things, bad things. It's just a third of all things. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and, and he expands out. He goes from from what he first created, right? The earth to the, the, the things upon the earth. The sea, the springs of the water. Right. And the sky. Well, then eventually he, he goes to the, the very um, heavenly bodies. Yeah. So there's, there's really nothing inside the created universe as a as a as a, uh, a whole that's not going to be affected 
What I like about the third, and as I'm thinking about that, just that concept of, yes, there's going to be a lot of devastation, but not complete. Right. It's not, this isn't the end of the world type stuff. So this is God giving his warning uh, to the created order, to everybody that there is a God who is coming in judgment. Look out. He is not beyond uh, causing huge amounts of devastation. And I think in our 2022 uh, days, it's uh, very difficult for us to grasp the idea of God allowing masses, mass amount of destruction. Well, uh, and, we get, the, you know what I mean? Like COVID yeah. happens and everyone's like, well, where's God and all of this? And you're like, well, uh, let's talk about the bubonic plague. Let's talk about, you know, all of these yeah. things that have happened throughout history that have wiped out uh, huge swaths of people. Well, well and, but not only that, I mean, it, I think there's, there's something to be said about um, understanding, again, taking a, taking a step back and understanding the picture that's being drawn is not necessarily... entirely focused on this is just going to happen on the very last days. I mean, you look at the flood. The flood wiped out all the dinosaurs. It wiped out all the living creatures except for what was on the ark. Unless the dinosaurs made it off the ark, but... Well, right, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, well, what, I, what, what we're saying is a massive, <clears throat> massive upheaval. There was a massive upheaval of of these of the creatures that were on the earth being wiped out. Yeah, <clears throat> from that moment on, and I'm a firm believer that that dinosaurs. Going back to that, I'm a firm believer that dinosaurs were on the ark. <clears throat> and I, I also believe that once they got off the ark, they couldn't. The, the world no longer could sustain them. As well as it did before. Uh, as yeah. well as it did before. But anyway, that's a, a conversation for another podcast of a different flavor. Um, what I'm saying is that throughout history, look at look at what mankind has done and what God has allowed mankind to do. And and we have hunted animals to extinction. We have we have um, hunted or uh, um, stripped the land uh, to to its bare bone. We have um, put concrete over the green grass. Um, you know, we have done a lot of these things, which are being foreshadowed here and prophesied here of the trumpet calls, right? And God has allowed it to happen. Um, I mean, if you look at what we're doing to, and, and I'm not being Greenpeace, I'm not trying to be a tree hugger, I'm not trying, that's a bad term, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say, okay, I'm, I'm, I am a super hardcore environmentalist. What I am saying is that there is, there's nowhere in this text that doesn't say that how these trumpets being blown are seen in how they, they come about in the world. They just say it's coming about into the world. Know what I mean? So in other words, you, you have the picture language of how fast it will happen, how fast it's going to come. But it doesn't tell you that when the trumpet's blowing that it's not the sinful man who's done it. Yeah. <clears throat> God is allowing this to happen. It's it's always meant to be a warning. Like This is God's judgment that's coming. This is a bad thing that's happening to you. However, it, it the logistics of it came about. It still is a bad thing, right? And it's meant to be a warning. This is how God is using evil for good. This is God converting something terrible, a tragedy, for uh, a word of encouragement or a word of warning sure. to God's people or to people that are uh, well, thinking about God. The only reason I say that, and the only reason is, and, and we, then we want, to, we want to move on to the other trumpets and things. The only reason I say that is because when you look at when you look at at um, how things are falling, right? We start saying, okay, a mountain fell, a star fell. The Reformed, and I use that term in the sense of non, 
Lutheran or Catholic uh, persuasion when it comes to 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 your your faith belief. Um, you're Christian, but you're not of the Lutheran or the Catholic persuasion. Um, they <clears throat> have this belief in in looking at Revelation and saying, okay, we are looking for this event. So they're looking for a meteor coming down. They're looking for a star falling from the sky. And unfortunately, because of the, the imagery that's in the book of Revelation, our focus is less on the look for the mountain that's falling or the, or the star, and more to what happened. You look at, they destroyed a third of their water. They destroyed a third of the, of, of the animals. They destroyed a third of the land. You know, what's happening in the world around us? I mean, the book of Revelation are these visions of things that are not just will happen, but are happening right now. Well, take a look around you. What are we doing? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not hard to see the, the things that we are doing to ourselves and, and to not say, eh, I think the trumpet's blowing. <laughs> At least three of them. <laughs> and and in all of these the the um the devastation is a pic it's picture language so we can't it's like the knife on the table with the guy praying uh and we say he's giving thanks to God for his daily bread that's sitting there on the table are we going to analyze the knife too much the knife is needed to fill out the whole picture some of these things are meant to fill out the whole picture even the third is meant as to fill out the whole picture right. that isn't necessarily are we going to go well you know, this guy had, we had this uh, terrible tragedy and, uh, you know, 0.32% of something was destroyed. So that can't be what Revelation was talking about because it wasn't perfectly a third. It, it's not, right. don't take that literally, just take it in the, in the offense of just how much damage happens throughout the world, damage that happens on the earth. Uh, we think of, of uh, um, devastating plagues on the sea, uh on the the springs here in the waters here on yeah on the earth the water becoming bitter that the wormwood thing the sun a thing the 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 effect of the all of the weather patterns um not to say not to say I'm into global warming I'm just saying we don't know what normal is as far as weather goes so our weather systems of what we've known for the last couple hundred years may dramatically shift at any point because the Lord is the Lord of the, the everything, and he can yeah. cause even things that we would think are are regular and standard to change because but, he's the Lord. And, and then finally, I would just say that that what what leads people of the Lutheran persuasion— <laughs> To to look at this and say, okay, this is the this is the picture, and we got to look at the results less than and less of this is an exact what's happening comes in the very end of of what we just read, right? With the eagle, um, yeah. eagles don't talk. <laughs> so you can tell this is a picture. It's very very clear. It all depends on what you're drinking. Maybe the eagles will talk after you start, or which Disney movie you're, you're watching. watching. <laughs> If you're watching Angry Birds, that wasn't a Disney movie, though. Angry Birds, they have a, a very fat eagle that talks. <laughs> but, but no, I, I would, I just, I, I think it's we throughout, the, especially in this section. I think throughout, we we do want to remind our listeners, and we want to remind those who who uh, are walking through the Book of Revelation with us. Remember, the Book of Revelation is is filled with pictures. And and the idea is not to get caught up in the pictures and to say how is this picture going to play out, but it is to look at what is the what is the effect 
mm-hmm. and we want to look at the effect and then and then apply it to the world in which we are placed to say exactly as what this was meant for John, the signs are here, things are happening, this is going on, and, and there's a hope and comfort for you that I'm at work, not only within it, but behind it and through it. That's an excellent point, because these plagues are done on both the believers and the unbelievers, so nobody is without uh, having some effect of this. And so for believers, that is a comfort because we know that God is using even this evil for their good. Or we could look at the um, that all of the terrible things that are happening in this world are eventually are going to be conquered by Jesus coming again at the end yeah. of the world. So this is a, meant to be a comfort and encouragement for Christians who are looking around them and they're saying, this world's falling apart. And John is telling his hearers and telling us um, that, don't be alarmed. Your Lord is still the Lord of the church. He's still ruling over all things, and he is going to come again soon. And this third judgment is just a precursor. Well, what you're looking at is just a third of what is to come. Well, and, and, I, and I take great comfort, because um, I'm a weird person this way. Uh, I take great comfort in um, the words of Isaiah, you know, Isaiah 57, verses 1 and 2, um, reference that, that the righteous sometimes are taken away to be spared from evil. You know, and, and so when you're approaching this and you're like, oh, but what about the righteous? And, 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 and maybe you're thinking back to Abraham and you're thinking, you know, Abraham's prayer. Are you going to kill the right as he's looking at, at, at Sodom and Gomorrah? Are you going to kill the righteous along with the wicked? May it never be, Lord. And you're thinking to yourself, how is the Lord going to? Well, go back to Isaiah and, 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 and take comfort in the fact that sometimes the Lord takes you out so you don't have to face it. <laughs> he, 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 he takes you to be with himself. Um, because one, your work is done, and 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 his work in you has now come to its completion, and he wants you to be with himself, and and he's sparing you from the things that are happening, and those that remain, he will continue to be faithful. Absolutely, so, I, I'm not denying that as well. Yeah. I'm just saying that yeah. that 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 both sides are true. Sure. So, haven't had any questions yet. Uh, just really cool we comments. Are awesome. We are we're, awesome. We're explaining it so well. well. They're just like this is amazing. <laughs> I've never heard such concise opinions. <laughs> we brought in angry birds, and it's like, well, this is all, it's all good. It's like, my, it's just like a sermon on Sunday. They're like, I don't know where we're going, but at the end, we'll get there. <laughs> Chapter 9, the last three trumpets of judgment. Let's read that. Chapter 9, verse, beginning at verse 1. Then the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen out of heaven to earth. And the key to the pit of the abyss was given to him. He opened the pit of the abyss, and smoke came up out of the pit like a smoke from a huge furnace. The sun and the air were darkened by the smoke from the pit, and out of the smoke came locusts on the earth, and they were given the kind of power that scorpions of the earth have. They were told not to harm the earth's grass, nor any green plant or any tree, but only those people who do not have God's seal on their foreheads. Indeed, they were not given permission to kill these people, but only to torture them for five months. And the pain that they cause is a pain caused by a scorpion when it stings a person. In those days, people will seek death, but will certainly not find it. They will long to die, but death will escape them. The locusts looked like horses ready for battle, and their horse, their heads were, on their heads were what appeared to be crowns that were like gold. Their faces looked like human faces. 
They had hair that looked like women's hair, and their teeth was like lion's teeth. They had breastplates that appeared to be made of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the sound of many chariots and horses charging into battle. They had tails with stingers like those of scorpions, and in their tails they had power to hurt people for five months. They had the angel of the abyss over them as their king. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he has the name of Apollyon. One woe is passed. Looked after these things. Two more woes are coming. Maybe we should just stop there. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I, I don't know what your thought is. I, maybe, I'll, maybe I'm going to open it up to you because the last couple of times you've been turning to me and be like, tell me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to – this this, uh, this this fifth trumpet, what it, what's your – what do you got on the fifth trumpet? What, where, where, how far back are you going? Because I can tell you how far back I'd go, but I, but I'm going to throw it to you. I think it's it's the idea of um, I I was focusing on the lo- locusts. I really was drawn was drawn into the locust part. But just the idea of uh, this is God's church. This is the devil persecuting God's church, but sending this to do that. Yeah. So, I, and I'm right there with you. I'm this fifth trumpet. This is this is like. I saw Satan fall like a star from heaven. <laughs> uh, Jesus' words, right? Um, um, as uh, it, this is this is the before the fall, and then after the fall. I mean, I mean, the, I, I kind of see the fifth trumpet going all the way back and saying, "Okay, we're we're rewinding, going back to the very fall of mankind, and we're we're stepping forward from there." And these are all the things that are against. Um, but again, the marker of only for a time. Right, the, mm-hmm. the marker of only for a time. Take us away on the locusts. I just, I, I, I got caught up less in the locusts and more in this, this idea of how far back we went. That that we see, we see Satan. Because sometimes I think we get it into our, our heads that, oh no, he, he's, he's not. Again, the reformed thought. There's going to be a time when all the evil is going to be released, and no, it's here. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's, it's been here since the fall, folks. <laughs> um, and and you know, since the fall, um, we have been. By our sinful nature, the children of the father of lies. He has stood above us um, and behind us and pushed us. Um, and, and I think you see that in, in a very picturesque way in this section of Revelation. But go on. So Take it. the locust, I, when I did this as a Bible class, I believe it was two years ago or a year ago, we, there were members asking about what's the difference between a locust and a grasshopper. And locusts and grasshoppers— One is good in chocolate. Are the same in appearance, but locusts can exist in two different behavioral states. Uh, they're either solitary or gregarious. So whereas most grasshoppers do not, they they don't change. It's really quite fascinating. They actually change. Their wings get bigger. Uh, their bodies change shape so much so that even scientists will look at this and, and, and made the mistake that there are two different uh, types of insects. And that happens when they get into something like a swarm where there's, there's so many of them congregate in one place. And then all of a sudden there's something happens to, um, I'm not a scientist, but some, but I was reading about this, uh, um, what actually, what actually causes it is something about their, um, their, the hairs on their tiny or their hind legs are set off 
and the their own um, feces actually it some somehow it has this chemical reaction that all of a sudden these locusts change in appearance they change in demeanor instead of becoming separate animals they become this swarm that hive minded the hive mind um, they become a lot more um, aggressive. aggressive and uh, and and just to be clear uh, locusts and grasshoppers are different insects yes they are from the same. They're from the same, same species, species, but they're different. But they are different families. So I was also reading about uh, the Rocky Mountain lo- locusts, which is not to be confused with Rocky Mountain oysters. You'd have to Google. And if you would like Rocky to ask Mountain. what right, ro- Rocky Mountain <laughs> oysters are, please either Google it or or ask your parents. Or yeah, you can <laughs> talk to Pastor Rudad. Pastor Rudad knows all about that. I really like uh, eating Rocky Mountain oysters. Um, <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> so what happens is uh, in 18, uh, what's it, 1880, I was reading an article online about the death of the superhopper because there was in the Rocky Mountain areas, there was these locusts uh, that swarmed over the Great Plains. It was even uh, talked about Laura Ingalls Wilder. She would, uh, in one of her books, um, on the banks of Plum Creek, it talks about this devastation that was brought about by locusts. and But then... After the 1880s, these Rocky Mountain locusts just mysteriously disappeared. And for a long time, scientists thought that uh, what causes locusts to change into this crazy hive mind thing, this swarm that would just swarm over everything and just eat everything and, and, and de- destroy it all, was um, devastation that happens. So, so there's, let's say there's the beginnings of a drought. Right, and it's all dry, so all these locusts are getting into one place, and for some reason, them being together, confined in one area, just sets them off on this thing. And uh, this article was talking about we don't really know what causes these locusts to do what they did, and the Rocky Mountain lo- lo- locusts in particular, or what causes them to suddenly die out. Um, so anyway, the the tangent is just this picture for us who aren't familiar with. Locusts and locusts are still a thing uh, in the Middle East. Uh, there still are swarms of locusts that cause. Well, they are in the Midwest too. So. Locusts are, are a thing in the Midwest too. Um, maybe not in the in in the huge swarms that they they can be, but they are still. Uh, um, when we lived in South Dakota, um, there were years when when drought set in, and you would see a lot more of them around than you um, did normally. Yeah. Um, but but here's here's maybe the thing that I I you know. Uh, we should maybe talk about is as fascinating as dealing with the locusts and the picture of the locusts are. Um, I think God's desire of using the locusts as this image is the cyclical nature of I, I, multiple. I'm, I'm going to start with this one. Yeah, let's start with cyclical. It's the cyclical nature of their habits. So in other words, they're not always engaged, but they they have this pattern. You know, as things degrade and get worse, they come back <laughs> things happen where it becomes worse mm-hmm. and and i would say that there's a definite connection to the sinful nature right when things are going well it doesn't seem as if the sinful nature is is rearing its ugly head as much and then when things start to get bad it seems as if the sinful nature um kicks into high gear uh, i'm i'm a fan of uh, of like apocalyptic type movies and if you ever see mad max you see that in spades, right? Um, where, where you know, the world kind of 
falls to pieces and you get these gangs that are all of a sudden grouping together and they're doing horrible things and you're thinking to yourself or or if you are a horror film fan um and you like watching uh the walking dead that's another one right i'm not i, I mean i'm not saying zombies are real but but you see the sinful nature when when things fall uh, apart and as 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 um things take a turn all of a sudden you get this motion towards the sinful nature rising and and really people globbing together and doing bad things um and and seeing that in the world i i I also want to just piggyback on the cyclical nature just the idea of if you're looking at the locust being the torment of false doctrine and how sometimes false doctrine makes waves and and permeates that we think of arianism just all of a sudden it just exploded and and almost hijacked christianity yeah and then the the Lord causes that wave to to end, and you've got the Nicene Creed, and so the this idea of we didn't even talk about who the locusts were, but just the the description of the locusts being of of uh, they have an appearance that looks good. They've got a face like a man. They got a crown, so it's very appealing, but they're devastating. They have a sting like a scorpion. The, the destructive nature of lies, the destructive nature of false doctrine, really tormenting God's people for a time. Um, and the wave of false doctrine, the cyclical nature of it, the things pastors always say that you know, no, nothing new under the sun. This false doctrine is because of this. Yeah. This uh, this false doctrine is you know, based, you know, <clears throat> has its roots in this other false doctrine that's in the past. It's just. But but I, I like how waves. I like how you, you you brought up you know the fact that these these locusts look like you, look like me, right? They 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 look like people, um, and sometimes. And then this plays into this. This plays into the, the the false notion that people are good, right? We, you know, and I'm going to use a really big word here, and I've used it before, but I'm, uh, I'll explain it. Um, I think we live in a world where people have a high anthropology. In other words, they think people are better than what they are, and they are like, give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Um, people will do the good thing if given an opportunity. They'll do the good thing. And, and and I think throughout Scripture, especially in this section, we see it over and over and over again. They won't. Um, those sealed, those sealed by the Lord through the waters of baptism, where the Lord places His seal on you by the Holy Spirit and changes who you are into what He desires for you to be. Those people, when given an opportunity, will will lean towards doing good and God pleasing things because God is working through them. But the rest of mankind, um, when when left to their their own sinful devices, will do sinful things because that's what they are. <laughs> um, and and you see this in this image, right? Um, and and I've said it before too. Um, you know, the person, the individual is smart, but the group is dumb. And and you get this idea in the swarm, yeah. right? That that swarm of locusts. Maybe one alone is fine. One locust not not going to do much. But they get together and they change, right? And now they're they're not what they were. <laughs> yeah, we can see that in a practical way in, in society where now that we're looking back in the last couple of years of, of COVID and how you know, some things are coming to light, and then you'd say, I can't believe people were so this way. That you've got to do this and you've got to do that or whatever it is, or you can't do that or you can't do that. This, um, it, it reminds us of how the human race as much as we like to think we're individual thinkers, we are not. And we're easily manipulated. 
easily manipulated um, into doing things that are are that that once we stop and think about it, would be like that's not good. We, we why would we do that? Yeah, it just falls in. All it, right, right. Not to make any kind of judgment on what people decided during the COVID. I'm just just looking back and saying, what can we learn from all of this? Instead, no, of- it was a good example of of how people can be both sides of the argument can be easily manipulated and fall in and say, I normally wouldn't have done that, but now I did that because everyone else was doing it. Yeah, yeah. Sixth, are we on the sixth trumpet? Yep. Let's yeah. go to. Let's read the sixth trumpet. Let's do it. <clears throat> Then the sixth angel sounded his trumpet, and I heard a voice speak from the four horns of the gold incense that is before God. It said to the sixth angel, the one with the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had been prepared for this day, hour, day, month, and year were let loose so that they would kill a third of the people. The number of soldiers on horseback was 200 million. I heard their number. And this is what I saw. I like that. I heard their number. Like... Oh, I sat there and counted them, and then they had to. I asked one to come back because he moved. Can you, if you've ever watched horses and their riders, they can't sit still. I'm sorry, interrupted. Uh, verse 17. And this is what I saw in the vision of the horses and their riders. They had breastplates that were fiery eyed, fiery red, fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. The heads of the horses were like the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire and smoke and sulfur. And the result of these three plagues, the fire and the smoke and the sulfur that came out of their mouths, a third of mankind was killed. For the power of the horses is in their mouths and in their tails. For their tails are like snakes that have heads when they, which they use to cause injuries. The rest of the people who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands by giving up their worship of demons and idols and gold, silver and bronze, stone or wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk and they did not repent of their murders, their sorceries, their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. Yeah, so you, you have uh, plagues. Notice he doesn't, he doesn't specify the plagues other than saying that these plagues are the fire itself, the smoke itself, the, the, the sulfur. Um, th- those are the plagues. Um, so destruction, fiery destruction is the plague itself. Um, burning, burning themselves to death i just it's hard not to make illustrations and and thoughts to what we're doing to our ourselves through um burning away our youth um you know there's uh memes that are out there now where where young kids are saying you know i'd rather i'd rather live hard and die young than than live to old age um this idea of of living everything to your fullest as if, uh, you know, there's nothing else to live for seems to be a running trend in our society. And it's hard not to look at this and say, you know, the millions and millions of people who, who are, are just burning themselves out. Um, is this kind of a reference being spoken or is this more war or is this more what, you know, what is it? I, I, I have been thinking about what you're saying, and it reminds me of how um, how if we're continuing continuing our pattern of scaring people to death all the time, what happens? People are just going to give up on life. So if we're using, <clears throat> if you think of people who are, and, and 
in our society, that's exactly what's happening, isn't it? There, it's always scaring. You got this is ter- put your hair on fire because you got to click on this link because you, you would not believe what just happened, or you wouldn't believe what they just did. So it just is making you it, go from zero to hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And now you're met. Oh, by the way, you're supposed to like have a normal life now, <laughs> right? And people will be like, I don't. The world's going to end. So why why even bother why even bother making this world a better place because it's so terrible? Uh, why even try to live in this world because this world is is going in in such a terrible direction? So that is I think it's also a temptation for Christians also to get into that reading the book of Revelation and just see all of the devastation and the bad news and not see the main point of the book of Revelation, which is the Lord is going to is watching over all things. This is all going to end eventually. He is still is faithful. He will still keep his promises. Uh, he is still in control. Uh, and let's, which leads me to the four angels. So what do you think are the four <laughs> angels you, you in know, this? I, I, I was reading a commentary on this, and, and, and I, I will just preface this, going backwards into our discussion from previous weeks, we kind of took difference that that one of the four horsemen was not that of of death destruction and, and things, but that was Christ himself going out but but this commentatorist did not view that as being Christ, and so he said these four angels were really uh, um, the four horsemen coming back mm-hmm. um, that these were these were the, the the things allowed to let be let loose upon the world um, it, I, I think it 's an okay image in the sense of saying that that it, I think it 's still the same idea, right. Um, Could, do you think one of these? I, I kind of think one of those angels is the. I, I think the pattern fits because how are, how else can someone repent of their works? Right, unless the if, word is going out. And, unless and, the gospel is going out, yeah. Like I said, I'm not opposed to that idea. I, I don't have a direct connection in the scriptures that say just like the four horsemen. <laughs> yeah, right. But but I mean, if the, the image would be consistent with the visions, right? And if the and if as we've been saying, these are seven visions, seven truths that are being repeated over and over in different ways. You're looking at the same diamond from a different perspective, from a different angle. This would also then fall into that and say, okay, well, you didn't like the horseman imagery we'll go with angels <laughs> we'll, we'll go with heavenly heavenly creatures and and not less scary <laughs> um it, it does fit with the rest of scripture because the right. rest of scripture says you need the gospel in order to truly repent and turn from your evil ways well you not not just the law but also the the, the, the holy spirit working in your heart the, the ability to turn around well and i and i think the i think i think Christ coming out on on the white horse with with a double edged sword coming out of his mouth. I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm not afraid. That's pretty darn scary for an unbeliever, right? With eyes burning, and, and I, mean, I mean, go back to the beginning of Revelation and say that's Jesus. That's kind of scary for somebody who doesn't know him mm-hmm. and and is not found in him. Um, and so I could definitely say, you know, I, I go back to C.S. Lewis's um, comment um, on mere Christianity when he says, you know, everyone's going to have to come eventually to to a stand with Christ, and either he's going to be a liar, lunatic, or Lord. And, and you know, if you're in the first two, <laughs> um, he's going to look really scary to you. Um, and and if, you're, if you're in the last one where you look at him and you see him as Lord because of the Holy Spirit, it's going to be, yes! Um, I, I think the, the 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 other comment that goes in with all of this is is the last comment where or um, verse twenty one, 
uh, no, in verse 15, where okay. he says they're going to kill a third of the people. And you don't have that. I think the thing that was striking to me was you don't have the qualifier like you did before, where they're not allowed to take the lives. You know, you know, they weren't allowed to take the lives of those who have been sealed. You don't have that here. So, so you have this, again, this wide sweeping, it's going to affect all people. And where I would once again come back to Isaiah 57 and say, sometimes the Lord takes his people out, right? Mm-hmm. So that they're spared from evil. And that's a good thing. Um, and so, so I would definitely say that, that that's one of those spots where I'd be like, yes, this is what, what we're seeing here is that, that you may be one of the third who pass away um, in, in these horrible things. Maybe you, maybe, maybe you are a part of the war and you're a casualty of it. Um, but God's taking you to be home with him because he's sparing you from, from what's coming. And, and I think that's part. Uh, the, the last part of 20, I, I, before we move on, we need to talk about the last part of 20 um, because the last part of 20, I think, is, is really the the focal point of 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 the result even after all of this after every trumpet after every sign after every notification that sin is in the world and bad things are happening to good people and bad people and all people and all things what's the result yeah they still don't repent which should not discourage us from preaching the gospel so it it's just a reminder to us we would, it, in a certain sense, it it cleans us off of cleans us up from the mistaken mentality that if we only did this, then our church will grow. If we only changed our message just a little bit, then things our church will just explode, right? Or if we change this law, um, people will flock to the church, or um, we'll we'll be living our best Christian life now, or. I think the reality, like you said, is it, it comes back down to the fact that um, no matter what happens, and this has no bearing on, because it's not us who work anything, it is the Spirit who works all things. Yeah. Um, so no matter no matter what we are sent to do, we're sent to do it, but the reality of the situation is they might still, and probably will still, not be in faith. They They won't repent. Um, they'll turn to things that are opposite of what is good, and and that's and that is a depressing thing. Uh, this this part of Revelation is is not the most pleasant, um, where we're seeing joyous people gathered around the throne praising God and and singing glory to God in the highest. And um, <laughs> we're we're kind of seeing we're kind of seeing this is the last vision was. This is the believers in heaven solidified and comfortable in in the grace of God and. And this one is for the rest of you. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's clarifying that coming out of the great tribulation. So the first, the first vision that we had was a was a glorious one because it was focusing on the end and what that's like. But now it's just taking that one little phrase: "These are the ones that have come out of the great tribulation." Now it's doing a rewind, telling the whole story again, but now illustrating more about the the tribulations that are coming. And he's going to talk about that more than once uh, to remind us. Uh, that this life isn't going to be all that great, which is, you know, through we must go through many troubles in order before we get to 
get to heaven. I think I read that somewhere or read something like that somewhere. Or maybe that's the Ruda translation of something somewhere. Anyhow. It's a good translation. <laughs> uh, you're being too kind. First chapter 10, we're going to have the vision of the mighty angels and the, um, the, the thundering. And let's, uh, let's read through that. Chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Then I saw another powerful angel coming down out of heaven. He was clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was over his head, and his face was like the sun. His feet were like pillars of fire, and he had in his hand a little scroll which had been opened. He put his right foot on the sea and on the left on the land, and he cried out with a loud voice, just as a lion roars. And when he cried out, the seven thunders spoke using their own voices. When the seven thunders had spoken, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up the things the seven thunders said, and do not write them down. The angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven, and he swore by the one who lives forever and ever, who created the sky and the things in it, the earth and the things in it, and the sea and the things in it, he said, There will be no more delay. Instead, in the days of the sound made by the seventh angel, that is, when he... When he is about to sound his trumpet, the mystery of God will also be completed, exactly as he made the good news known to the servants, to his servants, the prophets. Am I supposed to keep going? Yeah, I might as well finish 10, then we'll go back and talk about that. Okay. Verse 8. The voice that I heard from heaven also spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that has been opened in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little scroll. He said to me, take it and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll out of the angel's hand and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And they said to me, it is necessary that you prophesy again about many people's nations, languages, and kings. I read a whole chapter. There it is. Chapter 10. You know, I I, I just... The mighty angel. I I want to... Well, let's talk about the mighty angel, but the one thing I I just want to... I want to focus on before I forget it, and I, I don't want to forget it. Is is the very the, the ending of of what he is seeing happen, and he's told to close up and not share what the seven thunders are. Um, and you're in verse seven, and he says, you know that that um, the mystery of God will uh, will also be completed. I, it struck me and took me back to one of my favorite uh, books of the New Testament, which is Ephesians. And um, in Ephesians chapter 1, 9 and 10, uh, Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote these words that, that I think apply to this section. He said, uh, He made known to us the mystery of his will in keeping with his good purpose, which he planned in Christ. This was to be carried out when the time had fully come in order to bring all things together in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. Uh, to me, that was... Uh, that that's that that connection, right? Um, where we we have the gospel going out, um, and the gospel is being spoken, and the gospel is doing its work. Um, but then there's this time where I think John is 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 now encountering where the other alien work of the of God's word is now going to take effect, and it's not the gospel; it is it's the law, and it's going to sound sweet. Right? Do this. Sounds really good. Until you actually try to do it and you digest it and you find out you're lacking and it becomes very bitter. 
I, that so that's my take on the scroll. I kind of introduced that <laughs> into, into that quote, but but that's my take on the scroll. That and and we see that in, in the playing of God's law, right? God's law seems and maybe our churches. You've heard it too. Maybe you've said it. Um, go and pastor. You just go and tell them, right? Go and tell them. That's law. Uh, go tell them what God wants, or maybe you've done it to your kids. This is what God told you to do, so do it. And we think that's really good, right? Because that's so. I, God told us what to do. We should go and do it. Go and do it, and then you'll live a good and happy life. But then you find out that you can't do it, right? And and that good thing became very bitter to you. That good thing becomes uh, something that makes you upset and 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 gives you nothing but indigestion because you're like, how can I do the very thing that I've been told to do? And it seemed so good at the point, at the time. I really like the fact that we've talked about false doctrine with the locusts, you know, being a wave and tormenting God's people, but uh, and thinking that they can get to heaven by the law, whatever it is. Uh, be a good person, be a good Buddhist, be a good Muslim, be a good a Roman Catholic. This, these are things where if you do this and do that, eventually you'll you'll get to the good place, but it torments you because you can't do enough. Here we have a realization from the the angel, which we didn't talk, we we didn't identify the angel. So the angel gives a scroll, which which is God's word. It's it's in contrast, at least to me when I'm looking at this, I'm seeing a contrast between yet the law that God has is uh, uh, a good thing because it is the law. It's it's what it means to be righteous and what it means to be holy, what it means to be set apart. But on the same time, we can't keep it, and so we need a savior. Yeah, and, and I think again it comes back down to to the the vision of seeing. It's the struggle in the Christian faith. When does when do you apply what? Right. Um, when when do you apply the law in all of its force, and recognize that it is is bitter um, in the end, and 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 it must remain so, and it must be so, um, and yet how do you do you you taper that not to reduce its its effectiveness, but so that you don't lead it to, to despair. Um, and and really, what we have in this section of Revelation, I think, um, you have the purpose of this vision is to say to John, you're going to have to give a message that will lead to despair. Um, there 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 is going to be um, coming off of these people who did not repent coming out of these people who, after everything I have done for them and to them and allowed to happen, they still did not turn from their sinful ways. Um, I just go back and I'm thinking that, you know, John's going to be encountering the same lament that Jeremiah encountered when when he had to go to God's people. And remember, remember what Jeremiah was told, I, I have in mind for you to prosper. God told him that. And what was his message? God's going to destroy you because of your sinfulness. You know, God's going to lead you away. And, and then, and then the Book of Lamentations. He's seeing it. He's witnessing it, and it's just eating him up inside because God's law is in effect. And and he so desperately, as any good Christian would want to, he does not want to just leave it with the law. Um, but but what do we see in Revelation? We see this little scroll coming down. We see you're going to have to because because it has the law has to work first. It has to work first. Um, the, the crushing force of God's command, his perfect ordinance, must work before the balm of the gospel can take effect. And, and if it doesn't do its work, or if it does its work but changes somebody into wrath against God, which is also its work, 
that is what it is. And, 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 and that's not you, dear listener, if you're the one sharing that. It's not you. It, it is what God's work was supposed to do. Uh, and it's doing what it's supposed to do. Let's talk about the angel. Let's talk about the angel. Yeah. And so- rainbows. <laughs> the appropriate use of rainbows. <laughs> oh, you mean you can't just use it for uh, My Little Pony? I mean, what is this? The My Little Pony I wasn't section of the of Revelation? Lo- I was not thinking of My that Little was, Pony. That was not the angel you were in reference. <laughs> more, more on flags. <laughs> Um, so the angel, the different perspectives on who the angel could be. It, the angel could be the, one of the archangels of God. Um, the, it could be Christ himself. Uh, Jesus is the word made flesh. So if an angel is a messenger, he could be that angel. Um, you've got, those are your options for the angel. What yeah, do you we think? Get, well, we, how do you want to weigh in on that one? Yeah. It's a tough one, just in the simple sense that there's some of the image that that really brings about um, the connection to what we had with Jesus in the beginning, in the vision of Jesus in the beginning, with with the uh, the connection of the pillar of fire and the feet that are shining and the the uh, the face that is shining. That you know what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of good connection there. Um, I, I think the thing that that really kind of um, brings back this this uh there's two things that really make me stand a little bit back just to scratch my head and and the first one is being surrounded by the cloud and that brings me to mount sinai and the giving of the law and the cloud and the pillar of smokes and, and, you know and the billing and the thunder and, light and all these kind of things that are happening when the law is given um so that brings me into that mode but then i'm kind of dragged out of that mode when when you have the rainbow, which is the promise I'm never going to destroy the world in a flood again. Or the face like the sun, because you could think of yeah. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm, I, I don't have an answer for this one, but I kind of wonder if it is Christ. And again, I can't solidly stand it it's, and say to you, dear listener, this is Christ or this is Michael or, or this is just some other angel. But I, I'm just going to explore and explore this thought with you. If it is Christ, and He is, you know, on the earth, which He was, and His Word is here, so which He's is. here, and He's He's going to talk about the gospel. He's going to talk about the good news. Is that the thundering that He's talking about? Where where John is like, "Ooh, I want to write this down. This is the good stuff. This is the good message." And they're like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope. We got to talk about the law here because that's the point of this angel. Is that Christ? In order for the gospel, in order to the gospel to take root, you need the law to plow up the ground. You need the law to to prepare a heart to hear the gospel, and that's the focus here. So John is always tempted, like a good Christian is, is to rush to the gospel. He's talking about the gospel. This is good stuff. Or, and then uh, the but he is told no 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 no. <laughs> this is Jesus. Yes, he's going to talk about the gospel, but he also has to talk about the the law. What do you think? Well, I know I I firmly agree, um, and this is where you know um, every good pastor should read uh, Walther's Law and Gospel at least once a year to remind themselves of how to properly divide 
law and gospel and allow it to apply. I'm not saying that you should read it word for word. I'm going to push back on that, but go ahead. I'm not saying you should read it word for word, but I mean, you should go back and read some of the table talks because it is a very good reminder for us. Um, and Luther, Luther once said that, that you know, his entire life and his entire ministry of the gospel was learning how to properly preach law and gospel and keep that divide. And that, that it was a, it was not a, uh, a skill that you get and then you have, it is a practice that you must continue to do because our natural temptation is to always shortchange the law and to oversell the gospel. And and really the Lord does a very perfect thing when when you could have an entire sermon. I mean, let's just go to a sermon. You could have an entire sermon of the law and one paragraph or sentence of pure gospel and it changed everything. You know, um, it, it just changes everything. Um, let the law be the law. Let the gospel be the gospel. And 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 Jesus in his ministry on earth did just that. Mm-hmm. He when he preached to the Pharisees, it was law. There was no gospel. Go back and look at a lot of his conversations with the Pharisees. There was no. There was really no gospel in there. You're like, he condemns them. And you're like, where's the gospel? I want the gospel. Well, the gospel was right in front of them, but so was the law, and, and they needed it. And I like what you said. It needs to do its thing. It has to do its thing. And and, and I think, that, again, if we look at this angel, angel, Christ, doesn't matter, you have these wonderful visions being wrapped up into the same thing. So we have the vision of the Christ or at least an illusion, the sun, the burning pillars. You have the, 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 what I think is the connection to Mount Sinai with the, the, the burning or the smoke, right? The, the clouds that surround him. And you also have the promise. You, you have grace that's mixed in there with this, with this rainbow over his head. Harkening back to, when was the last time I ever heard God refer to a rainbow? Well, that was when he, after the application of the law. Oh, it's not My Little Pony. I'm so disappointed. It's not My Little Pony, but, <laughs> but, but, but think about it. Think about it. The, the, the application of the law was the flood. Yeah. And, and yet he saved eight by his grace. And then he made a promise. Um, and First Peter talks about how that, that now links you to baptism, which puts you to death. Right, as Paul would say, uh, with Christ raises you to new life. Um, I, I think there's a, there is some. You look at this and you're like, there are a lot of pictures wrapped up into this. No matter who you want to say this is, um, but in the end, it's the focus is the law. law yeah, law and gospel. I I, I just push back because I know every pastor seems to say every CF you got to read CFW every CFW Walter law and gospel every year. I would just clarify that because a lot of CFW Walter, the law sections are really it's it, it's hard to read through and try to apply in twenty twenty two. I don't know if there's a pastor listening. You can you I'm I'm, I'm go listening. ahead. Let, let's continue. Let's continue this conversation. <laughs> but I do think that pastors should be going through law and gospel every every year, like just inwardly digesting how how they use law and gospel. Um, I I found just a personal anecdote. You know, I'm teaching at Mantrock Lutheran High School this year, and that's what we started off with: is law and gospel with the kids. And of course, at first they're like, "Yeah, we know this because we went to confirmation. This is our this is our third fourth year of at Mantrock Lutheran High School." But it's 
it was illuminating. I think they 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 got to the point. Maybe I mis misunderstood them or misread them, but they got to the point where oh, this is a lot deeper than just do or don't do. This is a lot more difficult than we we think. It's easy. We we tend to like like you say. We tend to just bypass and think. Well, we we've got that all figured out. We know what law and gospel is. What do you what do you what are you uh, wasting our time with? But it is so important for us to understand how the law and gospel are used in justification, how they're used in sanctification, um, and how they're used here on earth, just as John does in with the angel and, and the me- message, where we have God has a demonstration of the angel focusing on the law at this point, but God's message to the world is both law and gospel. And I would add to that, you know, and this is a great benefit to me, you know, we do, um, we, we are part of a translation group and and we translate scripture together Do we want to uh, call as, our nickname we want to make that no. public <laughs> but <laughs> that's our secret what goes out in translation group stays in translation group but uh but we you know i i really value that time and you know i also value this time and podcast with you but but i value the time in translation group because one of the things that we do in that group um to help better ourselves in in understanding how we are approaching the text is to say what is the specific law what is the specific gospel? Um, you know, when we are looking at it, we are we're already trying to say this is this is striking my sinful nature. This is repairing the damage done um, in a God good and God pleasing way. Um, and that's that's that whole proper distinction between law and gospel. And, and here's a challenge I would think for our listeners. So here's what I would do for our listeners: when we're preaching as pastors, listen. And, and and see if you can come up with in our preaching. Did we use the law in its in its full force? Did we use the gospel in its mending nature? Or did we just talk about the law? And did we just talk about the gospel? Or did we actually apply it? And 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 then be that sounding board like the Bereans. Go back and check the scriptures. Go back and read about what 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 it is that the scriptures are saying to you and to us. And then come and talk with us and say, Pastor, I think you did a you did a fine job. But I hope you did a fine job. But I liked your jokes. Uh, yeah, but but maybe we can work on on the law a little bit. I didn't feel that. Um, it said it, but but the application to me wasn't there. Or the gospel. Or you said I had the nothing law. to kill when I when I was listening to you. I I felt yeah. like uh, maybe and, and sometimes when we use when we, as a pastor, we get in the temptation. Well, how do I make God's people feel bad? No, you're you're trying to crucify something in them. Yeah. Like I'm, if what I say is, and I've had that mentality myself too. Is like I'm going to war when I get into the pulpit because I'm about to kill their sinful nature. I'm I'm starting a fight yeah. essentially, and I am relying on the Holy Spirit to be with me as I proclaim this word because. God's people are going to hear things they don't want to hear, but they do, their new person inside of them does because their new yeah. person is going to latch onto that law and say, "Okay, I'm going to drown that sinful nature. I'm going to drown that part of me that is uh, rebelling against God, so that this new person will daily arise." And, and, I, and I think a good, a, a really go good, uh, and then we got to move on. Uh, a really good place to go and a good place to start would be to say this: Did Jesus Christ have to die, die for this problem? For, to fix this problem, to fix yeah. what I just said. Yeah, and if the answer is no, no. you didn't say it right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you? <laughs> just be a little bit better, folks. Yeah. Just, just, just you can be better. Just hit him with the law a little bit more. <laughs> Don't pull back. Yeah. Kill something. 
start a war. And and um, I, I only say that just because it is so tempting just to make being a Christian into something like, well, if you just do this how-to, if you yeah. do the, this strategy, it is so tempting to make that because it is some, it appeals to our sinful nature. It appeals to our the side of us that just says, just um, that is thinking that what it does merits um, the twelve step program. The twelve step, yeah. yeah. This is this is all I need to do. I don't need Christ. I just need instruction. Where we need to be reminded, we need Christ all the time in our life of sanctification. Yep, absolutely. Chapter eleven: the two witnesses. We're we're doing great. We are doing great. We're doing like three chapters. Some podcasts that in Book of Revelation break this up into two, but we do it so well. We can do it in one podcast. That's true. More words of affirmation. I think for I've been doing better. <laughs> You've been doing better. Some of us but are doing better right. than others. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, folks, he's just pr- providing a public service because he's seeing my head just expand, and he's like, "Oh boy, oh boy, I got to bring it back." It's gonna, it's gonna release valve somewhere. <laughs> Chapter eleven, <laughs> verse one. Then a measuring rod, like a staff, was given to me. He said, Stand up and measure the incense altar in the temple of God and those who worship in it. Exclude the outer court of the temple and do not measure it, because it has been given to the heathen. They will trample the holy city for 42 months. I will commission my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that are standing before the Lord of the earth. If anyone wants to harm them, fire is going to come out of their mouths and consume their enemies. If anyone should want to harm them, it is necessary that he be killed in this way. These two have the authority to shut the sky so that no rain falls during the days when they are prophesying. They also have authority over the waters to turn them into blood and the authority to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. When they finish their testimony, the beast that comes out from the abyss will fight against them, conquer them, and kill them. Their dead bodies will lie on the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, which also their Lord was crucified. Some from the peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will look at their dead bodies for three and a half days and will not permit them to be placed in a tomb. Those who dwell on the earth will also rejoice over them and celebrate by sending gifts to one another, because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. After three and a half days, the breath of life from God came into them. They stood on their feet, and a great fear fell on those who saw them. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. They went up into heaven in a cloud as their enemies watched them. At that moment, there was also a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city collapsed. Seven thousand people were killed by the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave praise to the God of heaven. The second woe is past. See, the first woe is coming soon. Clear as crystal. Or mud. Or mud. Two witnesses. Why two? I think of the uh, Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, where everything is established by the testimony of two witnesses. So perhaps this number two is not necessarily mean that these are two uh, individuals, like these are two specific individuals, but just the concept of, of God having his message being proclaimed by more than one, or that more than one person is involved in proclaiming the word. We think of the Holy Christian Church, where Jesus says to them, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. Uh, here we've got, um, the. to me, that's what I'm seeing when I'm seeing two. It's not necessarily two specific people, but just this concept that God has of sending out uh, his people as a, 
cohesive force that keeps each other in check and make sure that what they're saying to the world is true. What do you yeah, think? I, I like that. Um, I think it comes back down to um, the Old Testament where something is, is ratified as being the truth by two witnesses. Um, that, that is uh, Deuteronomy uh, as you go and, and they, you know, when the Jews would go into court and, and they wanted to prove someone's innocent or guilty, they would have to be ratified by two witnesses. And so I, I think there is definitely there that, that connection of accountability and connection of um, truthfulness, that, that it's not just one person saying so, it's multiple people saying so. Um, I also would think that, that, that these two witnesses are unique in the sense that they are um, people who are set out to be bold in preaching what others do not want to hear. Um, and, and I think that, again, it, it flows off of that idea of the law is being proclaimed. Um, <clears throat> and we can talk more about that and, and reach into that and reach into the results. But, but before we do, we, we kind of jumped right on over the measuring rod. You like the measuring rod. I, I kind of do. Um, because I, I, I think you have, um, you have a pastor going out with the staff, right? Um, and he is measuring the church. You know, he is, he, is not, he, he is not measuring those outside of the church. He's not, he's not uh, taking, a, he's not, I view this as not taking account and accountability for those people outside of his purview. Um, John is given the task to only take into account those whom God has given him the uh, um, shepherding oversight of. Um, and they I definitely have like a region where they are. They yeah. are in the city, and yeah. they're meant to proclaim a message. And not everyone's going to respond to the message. Right. And these, these, the the church, um, as pictured by these two witnesses, has the ability to do to proclaim judgment on them, uh, proclaim the law, but also proclaim the gospel. Um, things aren't going to go very well for them. But but I think I think there's a difference too. Okay. I, I think there's a difference. Uh, um, this image is picking, uh, setting up two differences. That there's going to be the church. That that is secure, and there's going to be sent out from that church those who are vocal, mm. and and those who are vocal are going to be beaten back, and the church might seem like it's gone. So so you have those in hiding. You have those, and I think this comes back down to that there are some who are equipped to, to be preachers and teachers and evangelists, and there are others who are, are set to be those who support the church, right, and who are be a part of it and work within it. Um, and, and I think you see this here, that, that there are not everyone in this church, not everyone in that inner part is going out. You have only some who are commissioned to go, and they are going to receive the abuse, Right, they're going to, and if you want to look into the history, I mean, you might you might say, you know, look at China and the and the rise of Christianity in China um, over its course of time, and and what happened? You have the leaders of those places who were imprisoned, the leaders of those places who were put under under um, threat, right? Mm-hmm. But the church remained, right? It, God measured them, God knew them. God had them in his in his in his purview, um, and in and I think the whole part of that section is when 
how the world rejoices when they think they have squashed the church, only to find out that maybe for a time you thought that, a limited time you thought that, a very short time you thought that, but God breathed life back into it. Yeah, I think this is really a a a, 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 a very unusual picture of the New Testament church from beginning to from its beginning to um, when it will end. When it will end, because it's because yeah. it's the picture at the end is that these two witnesses go up to heaven, and so then that's the that's a picture of the you know of of Jesus coming back again. And they're victorious over their enemies, and then they'll be um, eventually their enemies, which seem to be so powerful, um, have, have found that their power has a limit. And that leads me to the question of the numbers, where you've got the, the forty-two months and uh, the um, connection of is it? Do they mention time, time, and half time, or is that just no? Is no, it forty-two it's just months, three and a half days, three and a half and, days, and you have forty-two months and one thousand two hundred sixty days that they'll be in sackcloth um so you know just just that explanation of the 42 months the time time and half a time in in essence in its most simple form it is just a limited amount of time so if you're going to break the numbers down time times and half a time would be like if 12 is your uh one number and i'm sorry how do you make the connection between time times and half a time and 42 or time time and half a times and 1260 days so 42 would be uh, 12 times 2 which would be 24 that's times with an s then time which would be 12 and then half a time which would be 6 we have 24 plus 12 plus 6 is 42 42 is also uh, 42 months is also if you roughly do it 30 30 days in a month is 1260 days that's where that number comes from what does that number mean is where a lot of people go off the rails. Um, for for us as as Lutherans, we would look at this number and we would say this is a a number of a limited amount of time, and a set time. It's not a complete time, right? Yeah, it's 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 geared and it's it's um, not protracted out. Oh, that's yeah, that's an excellent point. Where where uh, where we have to. It's not like. It's not like God says, oh, this is really getting bad, but it's got to last this amount of time, so it's got to hold out. It's where whenever the Father decides to end the world, it's going to be the time that it ends yeah. the world. So the, the the significance, the beauty of time, time, and half a time, or three and a half, or the 42 months, or the 1260 days, tells us it's a limited amount of time. Uh, God knows what he's doing, but it is not like a... Uh, like you said, it's an in- incomplete time. It's not like God needs this time to happen. It's just that this is a set amount of time that's going to happen. And, and I, I think we need to be clear that this <clears throat> set amount of time is a set amount of time that God is permitting the gospel to go out by two witnesses. Yeah. Um, these, these are the, this, is, this is the lampstand shining in the world. This is not a reference to like the rapture and God's people are going up. This is the those commissioned that God sends into the world to preach the gospel, to share the law and convict people of sin and the retaliation that happens against them. Um, this is an, I, I don't see this section as a direct reference to um, the person who comes to every weekly worship and sits there and then goes home and never talks to a friend. <laughs> I don't see that 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 this isn't referencing to you. 
could this be a reference to the pastor who is in the forefront of you? Could be. Could this be a reference to the missionaries that we send out into the world? Could be. Um, but I think this is a direct reference to the people who are in the forefront of the battle, um, who are, 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 are making the waves, you might say, and saying, I'm going to stand firm in this faith. And, and when, when this, they, is, this is also the parent who is leading their child and, and saying, we're going to do devotions together, and we're going to talk, I want right. to talk to you about law and gospel. Um, and I'm going to stand firm, and when you fall into sin, I'm going to call it out. And then when, when there's repentance, I'm going to offer forgiveness. So, yeah, it's, it's God's people using the means of grace, not necessarily going out on the mission field, which, yes, it is about right. the mission field, but it is God's people using the means of grace because you could even have this rejection in your own house, which R- is I agree with you. what Jesus promises. And, but what promises, I guess what I'm saying, though, is, is, is really the focus is that there's going to come a time when God's going to call the means of grace back. Yeah. And and I think that comes back down to what we see in in Genesis when the Lord says, "I will not let my spirit contend with man forever," right? Um, and if that's the case, that's going to happen too, just like it did for those who fell away and were not on the ark. The spirit of the Lord did not contend with them forever. Um, and there's going to be a time when when the time of grace will end. And and I don't mean the time of grace ending as we would say. Well, I'm called. I'm die. I dead. I'm I'm dead. I dead. <laughs> I dead. I, I I'm saying this in the sense of there's going to come a time in the church age, in 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 the after Christ has ascended and we are now we are now sharing the gospel, and we are able to use the means of grace, baptism, and the Lord's supper to to enact um, the forgiveness of sins through the power of the Spirit. When the Lord is going to say, enough is enough, and the very last has been baptized, and the very last has heard the forgiveness of sins, and the rest of you are too late. And and those are the words you will never want to hear. I, I, that's what I think. I heard some pastors say, may that never be you. May that never be you, dear Christian. Yeah. Yes. So. Uh, I was a good pastor. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you can find his sermons on YouTube. You go to like you search for Saint John Maribel. And I was you... going to say Shirley, Shirley. <laughs> Emmanuel Shirley. I didn't say I want uh, uh, to never be you, <laughs> but you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I... So that, dear friends, is the uh, explanation of time, time and half time forty two twelve hundred and sixty. So you're going to have people throughout the world and throughout time. The locusts. Let's call them the locusts. Nice, nice, beautiful faces of gold, gold crowns. Who are going to say, "Well, this is in reference to some sort of timeline that's going to happen." And let me tell you how that timeline breaks down. And dear Christian, just ignore them because all they all they are just going to sting you. Because this is what what Will had just said. Pastor Harley had just said is the wonderful gospel truth that this gospel message is still here for that twelve hundred and fifty days, for the forty two months, for the time times and half a time. But it will go away. But right now, now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of deliverance. Now is the time of Christ uh, being given to you in word and sacrament. So uh, you're the witness. Yeah, you're the witness, and be the witness to your family, yeah. to your to your friends, to those around you. Um, and don't be discouraged when it seems like you're under attack. And don't let these words. Because you of, are. Yeah, you are under attack. <laughs> yeah, there's somebody that doesn't want you to share the gospel message with those around you. Hmm. I wonder who that is. <laughs> I wonder if he's in the story somewhere. I, 
<laughs> there's, a, there's a smoke coming out of where he likes to live and all that stuff. Um, any, anyway, let's uh, let's wrap this up. I think it's a good place to wrap things up as a as a fourth essential revelation truth as we're looking at these seven truths, seven visions of uh, the book of Revelation. God does not treat the unbeliever the same. The unbeliever experiences the wrath of God in every hardship, but the believer never faces God's wrath even when he faces hardship because he still has the gospel. He still has the means of grace. Your final thoughts, Will Harley. Uh, my final thoughts are taken from the very final words of chapter 11. And God's temple in heaven was opened, and oh, the Ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were flashes of lightning and rumblings and crashes of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm. Um, God pulls back his means of grace, and there is an effect upon the earth. Um, I, I guess my final thought on the whole entire thing is is you cannot read this and not see that the world hinges on God's grace. Um, there's never a point when you're saying, I'm living in hell. You don't know what that's like yeah. because grace is here. Um, and one day grace will be gone. And and uh, when that happens, it's done. Everything is done. Um, and and, and yeah, I wait for that day and say, come Lord quickly. Yeah. Um, others, not so much. <laughs> So I did read that, so we should probably read that just before I suppose. we close out. There you go. Then the seventh angel sounded his trumpet. This is verse 15. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdom of God has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. The 24 elders who were sitting on the thrones before God also fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We thank you, Lord God Almighty, who was, who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your anger has come and the time has come when the dead are to be judged, when you will give the reward to your servants, the prophets, and to your saints, namely to those who fear your name, the small and the great, when you will destroy those who destroy the earth. And God's temple in heaven was opened, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple, and there were flashes of lightning, rumblings, crashes of thunder, an earthquake, and a great hailstorm. So we've got the, the end of the world. God's people who are spared, who are rescued, given that wonderful reward that is there because of Christ. And, and they are victorious. But even those who are here on this earth, including those locusts, including uh, any of those who are oppressing the two witnesses, they are in judgment. Yeah. And so just remember, dear listener, um, all this is happening at once, right? When the end comes, there's a lot of different pictures of things happening at once. And uh, um, as my dear fellow brother in Christ has so wonderfully said, may the bad things never happened to you, dear Christian. Um, and if they do, may you find your solace and your comfort in your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has done all things for you, which means maybe takes you from it. <laughs>